Hello and welcome to Earthcast, a platform for discussions about bridging the resource gap between people and planet. I am Olivia Taylor, or Olivia Earth on the socials, your host, and I will be interviewing a series of change makers, thinkers and disruptors, and asking them about their areas of expertise. Together, we will discover fresh perspectives and the most useful levers in society for change. The main question that we will explore is how are trade-offs made between people, planet and profit? More specifically, how do we solve wicked problems and make decisions at the margin? If you would like to hear more from Earthcast, subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Hello and welcome back for another episode. Today I'm speaking to Maxine Gray, who is passionate about the intersection of sustainable development, business strategy, human behavior, and being a catalyst for social change. She has an honors in business finance and investment, but considers herself to be a lifelong learner. Within her role at Investic Wealth and Investment, she focuses on driving the development and implementation of business strategy, change management, and sustainability. Additionally, Maxine is a philanthropy consultant working in private client charitable foundations in developing their strategic philanthropic direction of achieving sustainable social societal upliftment. Maxine is a UN Young SDG Innovator alumni and mentor on the 2021 Young SDG Innovators Program with the United Nations Global Compact, focusing on sustainable business, innovation, and the sustainable development goals. She was named the UN Global Compact Network SDG Pioneer for South Africa in 2020 and is a One Young World Ambassador and board member of Imagination NPO, focusing on early childhood development and entrepreneurship in rural communities within South Africa. What a mouthful, Maxine. That's quite incredible. So I want to know what have been the most useful experiences in shaping your current worldview, which has led you down this career path? Thank you, Olivia, for that kind introduction um, and just for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. I think, to be honest with you, what has shaped my path has really just been surrendering to the path itself and not being too stuck or fixated on one direction or one thing in which I, I hope to become. I think it was more about focusing on doing um, and being and not necessarily assigning myself to one role, one title or one opportunity and really having an open mind to learn from those around me, from being able to take opportunities when they've arisen and also to connect with like-minded individuals who have been able to open my mind, share their wisdom and experience with me and essentially guide me down the path that I'm currently on. Thank you, Maxine, I appreciate that. And further, can you explain, I know you're involved with the, with the SDGs, you know, what are the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals? And what is the history? You know, how were they agreed to? Yeah, I think, you know, everyone gets stuck on these abbreviations sometimes, um, particularly in this world, you know, ESG, SDG, etc. Um, the Sustainable Development Goals were essentially ratified in 2015 as a global agenda for sustainable development by all the member states of the United Nations. And they were an evolution of the Millennium Development Goals, which were set previously. Uh, and essentially it was a consultative process with all member states based on the Millennium Development Goals and how those were progressing in terms of impact and where perhaps there were gaps that had not necessarily been addressed. 
So they really are, in my view, they are a global North Star that governments, businesses, corporate citizens can attest to or can strive to when seeking impact. I think we know that, you know, the world for some time has been in disarray and perhaps we have tried to make an impact, but it's been slightly fragmented or moving in all different directions. And what the SDGs really give us is this framework that is globally relevant, but that can be contextualized locally, such that we can address local problems and challenges with innovation, but all at the end of the day, aiming towards a building a more sustainable future. Maxine, are we, are we seeing progress and impact aligned to the SDGs? You know, how can we further encourage meeting their targets? Yeah, so I think, you know, people often ask me this question, they say, you know, understanding it's a 2030 agenda, you know, are we where we need to be, um, knowing that, you know, it's 2021 and time seems to be flying. I think we are seeing, we're seeing impact. I think it also depends on where you look. Um, and, and a lot of what I'm exposed to through the United Nations Global Compact Network, as well as through the organization in which I work, it really does feel like the world is starting to pull together and starting to see this framework for what it is and, and work accordingly. I think one thing that is you know, a, a good and a bad outcome of COVID is that some of the SDGs have been very adversely affected. So for example, gender equality has you know, been perhaps taken a few steps back but then when it comes to prioritizing other SDGs, and I suppose from an awareness and mindset shift and a consciousness perspective around how we behave, how we treat others and how we align our businesses to be centered, not only for profit, but also for purpose and for positive societal impact, that has perhaps been accelerated and, and been heightened. So it's very hard to say, you know, where are we at, how far are we? We are definitely seeing a lot of progress, a lot more businesses are taking this on board, are starting to understand it more deeply. And I think really starting to unpack what their business activities are doing, aligning them to the SDGs, and then taking it a step further in terms of being intentional around what business activities, products, services, et cetera, may catalyze investment in achieving the SDGs moving forward. I think in terms of encouraging people, I would say it's really around, you know, looking at yourself. And when I say yourself, I mean, as an individual and as a business and saying, who are we? You know, what is our purpose and who do we strive to be? And if anywhere in that definition lies doing something good for your society, you know, people, planet, then it really is around saying, well, how are you doing that? And we know that this is a global framework that can be used. Um, and so it's really just up to you to, to do it. So I would say it's about taking a good look in the mirror understanding your purpose at the end of the day, and then rooting your activities, your understanding and being exposed to um, as much as you can to ensure that the doors are open and that you really are putting your, your money where your mouth is and investing aligned um, to what these SDG targets require. Thank you so much for explaining that. And then what role do businesses play in achieving the SDGs and what tangible impact have we seen as individuals? So, I mean, if you, if you take it back and you think, well, you know, what's going to move the needle, um, which is an expression we often use. Uh, and if we think about the fact that 75% of global GDP comes from the private sector, it's, you know, it's easy to understand that unless business gets behind this and really puts, you know, shift investment in, in this direction, 
we aren't really going to get anywhere because even if everything else that contributes towards GDP is there 100%, we still are missing a massive chunk. So I think businesses are vital, um, especially because they act in the financial services um, industry, for example. Um, you know, they act as a, as a catalyst for shifting behavior, for moving money, for enabling the investment in, in certain directions, uh, depending on the opportunities that they make available to their clients. And equally as, as individuals, when it comes to, you know, the retail sector or anything around production and consumption, it's about making consumers aware. Um, and, and that happens largely through what products are available. So I think, I mean, just as an individual walking into the uh, through the aisles of any store or in any clothing um, company or whatnot in any store, you, you see, you know, you're seeing labels, sustainably sourced cocoa or sustainable cotton or, you know, eco-friendly or reusable, recyclable, uh, biodegradable plastics, et cetera, like that kind of shift. So I definitely think there is the shift in, in consumer awareness, um, which is driven largely by what products are available um, in the retail market. And equally so in terms from a business perspective, you know, you have the likes and, and I speak from a financial services point of view, but you see the likes of the largest asset managers in America saying, you know, they're not going to invest in companies unless there is a woman on the board or making very bold statements around certain um, things which can be linked back to the sustainable development goals. In that case, it would be uh, gender equality, which is um, SDG5. So I think it, it is coming through um, in terms of how we're seeing management act, how we're seeing companies who supply us with our with products that we consume, how they think about creating alternatives for us to move in this direction. Um, and really just, I think, uh, to me, uh, the biggest shift that we require is one in, in mindset and then behavior. And I do believe that that is where businesses have a vital role to play in, in being educators and enabling us through what they offer. Well, I really love the way you've thought about that. Thank you. And, you know, I, I asked you the question, what tangible impact have we seen? And I, I often have discussions with people when they go, you know, what is impact? What is ESG? What is you know, what do all these things mean? So specifically the terms responsible investing, sustainable investing, impact investing, and ESG, you know, these are often used interchangeably, excuse me, interchangeably. Would you mind clarifying these? Yeah, I think this is one where we, you know, we always kind of laugh about it, but it is very much almost one, you know, few, four or five words that are used for one thing or to talk about one thing. And I guess it really depends on the context in which, in which you know, the conversation comes up. But I think what's more important when you look at this is to think about it as a spectrum. So if I just had to start in, from responsible investing, it would be kind of saying, okay, I know that I'm investing in such a way that my money is not being, you know, is not invested in things that are going to make the problem worse. Then I think we can take a step further that and then say, okay, well, how do I know that my money is being invested in such a way that is sustainable, i.e. that is going towards, you know, perhaps companies with that we know are not doing any more harm and are perhaps doing more good, which is, which is a sustainable thing to do, not only because it makes, you know, sustainability from a people and planet perspective, but also from a business operations and profit point of view. So moving from, I guess, doing, you know, not doing harm, um, ensuring that you're not doing harm with potentially doing good. And impact investing is taking it a step further and saying, 
I actually want to be intentional about the impact that I'm investing in. And so that impact return equation starts becoming a lot more important to investors at that stage. Um, a lot of it has got to do with what someone is looking for when it look when they think of their return profile. So, you know, responsible investing is really saying, okay, you know, don't do anything worse, but um, my financial return is probably still the only thing I'm really going to ask you about. Sustainable investing is really saying, listen, I want to know what my financial return is, but also how, what impact is this having and how am I, I contributing positively um, towards, you know, people, plan, people and planets as an example. And then your impact investing is really about saying, hold on, I actually want to be very intentional about where my capital goes because I want to actually seek out impact. So for me, it's a spectrum and it, it really is, you know, aligned to the same thing, but it is just taking it one step further. ESG is then just a, a, a terminology that in my mind, we can you can actually mirror according to the SDGs. So ESG stands for environmental, social and governance. And these are three categories, um, essentially, that we can look at companies performance, we can understand the impact on society based on you know, what is their environmental impact? What is their social impact? So how are they treating their employees? How are they treating the communities in which they live? And then governance, which speaks a lot around, you know, board principles, remuneration, etc. So ESG is really, for me, a lens through which we can assess companies and understand how they are having an impact um, according to those categories. And um, which, which, interestingly enough, you can actually look at the SDGs, of which there are 17, and you can put them into those ESG categories as well. Um, and then it's about saying, okay, now that we understand the footprint, so to speak, or the ESG footprint of that company, how can we or how intentional are we around investing in them? Thank you so much for clarifying those terms. So then how can the financial services industry enable responsible and impact-seeking investment behaviors with their clients? And further, Given the pressure on financial services to achieve certain targets, how do they think about the trade-offs, sorry, the trade-offs made between people, planet, and profit? What are these, what are these gray areas that, that we're concerned about? I think first and foremost, you know, as a financial services industry, you need to understand that you are a custodian of your client's money, um, essentially. And so there's a huge responsibility that sits with, with, with us as an industry to say, how are we um, you know, looking after this money and channeling it from an investment perspective in a responsible way? And first and foremost is really about looking at how are you, what, what, what investment offering are you giving to your clients? Are you making available to them? Are you helping them understand, you know, just how much power lies within an investment? And that goes in terms of the, the physical capital that is then invested in companies who are doing the right thing. But it also goes for in terms of voting. So where we are custodians of our clients' money from an investment perspective, there are certain voting rights that come with that. And what it enables you to do is to engage with management of those companies. It's not really necessarily about being activist in nature, um, although you may want to be where you just say, I'm not actually investing in that company at all. But it's about saying, you know, it gives us the tools to engage with companies, to get them to go down this journey and to transi transition, sorry, um, in terms of how they operate, what they do, 
such that they can actually have a positive impact. So I think the first and foremost thing is recognizing the responsibility that we as a financial services industry have around educating our clients on the stuff and making investment offerings available to them such that we are moving funds, you know, and investments in this direction. Um, there is obviously this, you know, to me, it's quite an interesting one, because in my mind, there is no myth, um, you know, it's, sorry, it is a myth, there is no trade off between people, planet and profit. To me, it is a fully integrated equation where the one, quite frankly, doesn't exist with the other. And if we look at, you know, the society in, in which capitalism grew in it was really just focused on profit and it wasn't necessarily intentionally being bad to people or planet it just didn't really consider them as part of the equation whereas now if you look at a lot of reports that are out there and you just track you know companies that are really strong on the ESG metrics that are moving in the direction of investing aligned to the sustainable development goals these are the companies that are actually performing the greatest from a profit perspective so to me, the biggest gray area is just the fact that there, there is so much gray. And, and what, what I mean by that is that there is perhaps a lack of understanding that, you know, we think in terms of we have to give one thing up to achieve another. Um, you know, when we see, for example, a, a car and we see a hybrid, you know, an electric car, we think, oh, you know, is it going to be a fast car? Is it go are we going to give up speed? Are we going to give up design? Or what is it that we are actually foregoing in order to get this and benefit as on, on the planet. And yet what you start seeing if you really look into these things is that it's not actually a trade-off that you're, that you're making, but you're actually just, you really can have your cake and eat it, so to speak. And I think that's for me why this is so exciting is because it really is an opportunity for innovation to come to the fore and for companies to not only have a positive impact on people and planet, but to really drive their profits up because there is such a large a profitable opportunity in the what we call the green economy or in the transition from a perhaps unconscious people and planet um you know profit equation to one that is actually fully integrated honestly maxine i i'm thinking now that i need to change my question that i ask everyone about trade-offs the more and more <laughs> i ask people this question i keep getting the response in investments we don't need this trade-off so I might have to go back to the drawing board with my my standard questions that I'm asking. So thank you for challenging my ideas about this. And then further, as a, a philanthropy consultant, Maxine, what role do you see philanthropy playing in achieving the SDGs? Yeah, Olivia, just to go back to what you're saying earlier, you know, for me, it's really about, it's a kind of like the light bulb bulb going off and you do kind of start questioning yourself, you know, to say like, how is this actually possible? But the more we look into it and the more research that comes up, because it is, I guess, fairly new. And when I say new, a couple of years or decade old, but when you go down that, that rabbit hole, I think what you land up finding is more light than anything else. So um, it is, it is actually a, a great answer, even though it's not necessarily what is, you know, perceived, um, perceived out there. Um, and I guess the same is true with philanthropy, which for me is, you know, the two worlds come together so beautifully. And I think it's because the essence of philanthropy, I mean, the word, the word philanthropy comes from a term that means uh, to love humanity. And that's really what it's about. And if you think about what we are trying to do with sustainable development, with sustainable development goals, and even with, you know, responsible or impact um, investing, 
what we what we really are saying is that we care about more than just profit we care about people we care about the planet and we care about how people are treated and how our societies are impacted in the virtue in which our companies are operating and are able to make a profit so philanthropy for me is really the essence of where it all it all started and I guess it was always the side thing where people saw philanthropy as a means to make a positive impact. And so families or individuals, you know, set aside their contributions on a monthly or annual basis and, and they go about it in different ways. But the a lot of the foundations that we see, they have, you know, endowment capital, which is there to basically be invested over the long term such that the interest earned off the capital can be invested into doing impactful work on the ground. And so it's often distributed to you know, NG, the NGO sector who are working on the ground, tackling some of these core issues on a day-to-day -day basis. And if we start you know, kind of saying, okay, well, how can philanthropy evolve from people with a really good heart just trying to do something great um, aligned to the SDGs, we can start saying, well, the way in which you allocate your resources can be aligned to specific goals. And those goals can be almost blueprinted from the SDGs. So if you, as an example, you know, have, uh, and I'm using gender equality a lot, but I'll just stick with it. Um, if you have, you know, you always wanted to help empower women, for example, now you can actually say, okay, well, let's dig into SDG 5 and let's unpack some of the targets that we, you know, that that have been obviously through a rigorous process being modeled and know that we need to invest in NGOs or in activities that are empowering women aligned to these principles or that are, you know, putting policies in place or supporting social justice or civil society such that these policies and principles can be embedded into, into government and into society. So for me, philanthropy has a catalytic role to play. It's really around saying, let's transition from you having a great heart and you know, a generous wallet um, in effect in terms of giving your money to causes that are having an impact and just take it one step further to ratify that impact aligned to a global agenda for sustainable development. And Maxine, how easier to distribute worthy uh, funds to worthy robust organizations as a philanthropy consultant especially one who lives in South Africa yeah I think we are spoiled for choice here um, it's one thing I always say is you know in, in one way I think it makes us a lot more acutely aware and, and plugged into the potential issues that that our country is facing but equally so it makes it that much more challenging because First of all, you want to just help everyone and you want to support everyone. So it makes it really hard to actually be able to say hand on heart, you know, no to some organizations and then to really decide on, on where to, you know, where to do that. And I think a part of the process is really just around having something that is not emotional. So for me, you know, I will just quickly address the the side of it that's not so gracious, which is really around organizations that put up a front that, you know, they say that they're doing great work, but on the ground, they actually, you know, it's a little bit corrupt and they're taking the funds for themselves and not really achieving what they want. I think it's important to sift those out the equation and then to also take it one step further and to have something that is non-emotive. You know, it may be metrics, it may be a story, it may be something that you align yourself to that enables you to really focus um, because it really is easy to 
to to dilute what you give um, in terms of quantum because there's just so many worthy causes out there. So, you know, we work across essentially every sector, every province when it comes to distribution. But some of the things that keep us aligned to, you know, what I was saying is number one, we've got quite a rigorous due diligence process um, and governance process that we follow which helps to keep, you know, take out the emotional side of things. But then we also, you know, we believe in partnerships and we believe in really getting to know people, getting to understand the humans behind the, you know, behind the impact, behind the work. And, and through that, you generally get a very good sense of, you know, where it is that you can, can direct your direct your funding towards. Um, and I think lastly, what keeps us, you know, grounded and guided is the trustees um, of our clients, which we always uphold in terms of distributing um, distributing the, the interest earned of their capital. So it's by no means difficult to find where the organizations, I think, you know, even if you just reach out to your network, you'll, you'll have someone within your network that is actively working with an NGO on the ground. Um, you can also search online and find all sorts of organizations. I think LinkedIn is a great place where I follow a lot of organizations on there. Um, and then it's really around when you are spoiled for choice, it's about ensuring that, you know, you are really sticking to helping to make the biggest impact possible, um, if, that, if that is even possible. But really just, you know, taking some emotion out of it, applying some governance and ensuring that you are staying true to something. And that's where for me, again, the SDGs can be that something, you know, we may have the trustees that help guide us, which also align to them. But if you're just an individual, you could pick an SDG and you could say, look, I want to, you know, donate whatever it is each month or each year towards an organization that is really working um, alongside or towards the, this SDG, um, which, you know, I'm passionate and, and I really believe in. Maxine, I'm currently at a stage where I'm closing my nonprofit company down and I'm distributing the funds left over towards two worthy organizations. And that's why I asked you this question because it's something I wanted, it's something I wanted to know personally. And something that I've also found in, in conservation is that a lot of the time organizations are competing for funding instead of working together. And you've spoken about partnerships. So perhaps to apply to your world, how do the two fields of individual seeking impact investments and philanthropy come together regarding achieving impact? Is there scope for further integration or is there competition between these two? Yeah, Olivia, you touch on you touch a really important point there. And um, because I think, you know, where we sit, we are fortunate in that we don't focus on one particular sector. So, you know, we don't just look at, for example, early childhood development in the education sector, but we look across sectors and we look um, throughout the sector as well. So that can mean anything from healthcare, welfare and humanitarian, education, etc. Um, and what we do see is sometimes, you know, just say there's you know, a, a process that goes from A to Z, we see some organizations going from like A to M, and then other organizations going from M to Z, but they're not necessarily working together. And, and so part of the role that we think we can play, and that we see scope in, in philanthropy as a sector, is to be able to partner more. I mean, SDG 17, which is partnership for the goals really speaks 
about partnership. And it, and it is exactly what you're saying. I think, you know, for me, impact investing and philanthropy at the moment are not the same thing, even though both are actually seeking a positive impact. I think the impact investment equation e includes financial return, whereas philanthropy does not. And so at the moment, they are still divergent. But, but in saying that, you know, from a philanthropy point of view, in my mind, there have always been two opportunities where philanthropy can get closer to impact investment, and then the traditional investing can also move to impact investment. And so impact investment is what can perhaps be the meeting in the middle um, that brings these worlds together. And the, the reason I say that is because if you become intentional about seeking impact that is beyond a financial return with your investment portfolio, you can actively seek out impact investments. And if you decide as well from a philanthropy point of view that you would like to use your funding that you have to invest in something that is seeking impact as well, and that potentially then gives you a financial return, which is now an added part of that equation, which was perhaps missing, um, you know, previously, you can then use that extra whatever financial return you get to further invest in impact investment. So on the one side of the equation, you have individuals that have perhaps seeked financial, um, financial return, but not impact, who can now add the impact piece to their equation. And then you have on the other side, philanthropists where they've actually, all they've sought is impact, and now they can actually add the financial component to it and get that total return equation. And then what you sit with on both sides is a return equation that looks at impact and, and, and um, a financial return at the same time. And then in my mind, once those two are aligned, you can start saying, hold on, we actually can unlock a whole lot of capital here towards, you know, to get organizations to work together. Um, I do believe that it is just uh, an evolution. I think there is most, um, you know, undoubtedly competition for funding when it comes to the NGO sector. But I do believe that, you know, slowly but surely over time, whether it's through connecting dots with, you know, organizations that you know are essentially working on the same thing or could leverage one another, once they've been introduced and can build a relationship, I do believe that there is scope for you know, more partnership and less competition. But I also do believe that sometimes competition is not a bad thing because it leads to, you know, best practice. It leads to things that the people strive to, you know, bring something innovative to the table and continue to, to evolve and to elevate their game because that is ultimately how they are going to be achieving, um, you know, increased impact and attracting funding over the long term. So it's a little bit of a mouthful of an answer, um, but, I think in short, I definitely do see the two worlds having a point of convergence. And that's really where each side adds the other to their total return equation. And that can potentially unlock a whole lot of opportunities to move forward. I can't wait to chat to you again in 10 years time to see how you've contributed towards this because I feel like <laughs> this is definitely something that I'm going to see you <laughs> more involved with in the future. Um, I, I certainly hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, it's a really cool and exciting place to be. You're talking about chaos and innovation. And I really love this discussion because especially in a country or, or an area like sub-Saharan Africa, there's such space for entrepreneurship. Um, so it's really exciting to be speaking Absolutely. about this. And then further, Maxine, how does Investec, where you work, which is known for its entrepreneurial spirit, and the construct of living in and not off society. How can Investec live this through its business and community uh, and community activities? 
Yeah, I think that phrase, um, you know, living in a not off society is one that if you if you work in Investec or if you're closely affiliated to Investec in any shape or form, you will know that it is really part of our DNA. And I think it, you know, it's a, it's a simple phrase, but it says so much. And it's it's again where you mentioned in, um, you know, that entrepreneurial flair and innovation and how these worlds come together. I think from an investic perspective, you know, based on my experience of being there, I've been there now, and um, this is my seventh year, and it it really just is a journey that continues to evolve in a beautiful way. But it's it's something that I've seen live and breathe in in various different capacities. So you know, from from the most deliberate of CSI initiatives around you know math, science, um, and entrepreneurship as a focus, some of the programs in which we have supported and our, our flagship uh, pro maths program, looking to elevate STEM education, and our entrepreneurial programs as well, looking to elevate entrepreneurs and sometimes even social entrepreneurs into, you know, creating their own businesses or just taking their ideas to the next level. That is, it's, that has been, I think, around way longer than I have and since inception. Um, and that really is something that continues to be evolved and continues to be developed. So that's, I guess, the, the, the one side of it. The other side of it is from a sustainability point of view, which kind of brings it all together. I mean, we've spoken a bit about philanthropy, which is what we do in, from a business perspective in, in the world and investment department but and then I've spoken about CSI but I think what's really been amazing for me to see is from a sustainability journey just how long we've been on this journey um you know I think it's become quite a buzzword at the moment um and in recent years but to know that this has been something that has been part of our DNA since I guess our first sustainability report if I'm not wrong was in 2000 so at least for 20 years, you know, it's about been looking at our business through this angle. And it is really an angle that encompasses all stakeholders. And it is never just about shareholders. And I think it is, you know, as an employee, it is, you you feel it when you're there, you're completely looked after, um, you know, supported in every possible way. And I think COVID has really been something that has shown us all just how deeply committed to this, uh, you know, this motto, this, this, part of our DNA that, that Investec is as an organization, where it comes to, you know, how do we align and um, our business activities to the sustainable development goals? Um, and we do have priority SDGs that contribute throughout our business activities and that we actively and consciously work towards, um, you know, but also how do we look after our communities and, and, and how can we use business opportunities in which to do that? So for me, it's really an all-encompassing thing. And I do believe that this is what companies need to shift towards where, you know, sustainability and CSI can't be something you do on the side. It really needs to become integrated into your business strategy, integrated into how you see yourself. What is your purpose as an organization? Um, and that's where for me, you know, we we look at that, we look at everything we do, whether it's direct giving, whether it's indirect giving, whether it's our impact and how we can make that as positive as possible. It's really about an awareness, it's about understanding, and then it's about being quite deliberate and intentional about making sure we are, you know, doing as much as we can. Um, in saying that it is obviously an, an evolutionary journey and one that I'm really proud to be part of because my journey with, with the Sustainable Development Goals was really catalyzed by Investec. Um, and so for me, it's about us saying, how do, we, how do we take that further and, you know, get more people to be as personally vested in this and, and believe in this 
you know, as, as I am. Um, and through that, I do believe that we will see uh, the exponential innovation and shift towards a sustainable world um, and building sustainably that, that we really need in order to achieve this 2030 agenda. Thank you for sharing that, Maxine. I really appreciate it. And also, thank you so much for joining me today. I, I can't uh, express enough uh, how much I appreciate you spending time, you know, going through these complex issues and really uh, thrashing out the conceptual concerns as well, which we often get stuck on. So thanks again for that. And for those listeners, if you would like to follow more of what Maxine does, the best way to follow her work is on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can follow her at Maxine Gray, G-R-A-Y. And Maxine, our last question uh, of the day. Given your expertise, what question should I have asked you? Thank you, Olivia. And I guess thank you for creating this space and this time and this platform for people to come and share and just to come and have this conversation and, and various conversations with you. Um, I think it is it is really an important thing that we, you know, create as much exposure and just exposure to different perspectives and different voices that may not necessarily have the right answer, but may, you know, bring up questions and people that they haven't necessarily um, asked themselves before. So thank you so much for making the opportunity available. And um, it's been a joy to spend time with you today. And um, great last question. Um, what questions should you have asked me? Um, so I think I'll go with one that quite a few people do ask me as they say, you know, if I want to kind of get started on this journey, like I've been inspired by something I've read or something I've heard, um, you know, they would say to me, like, where do I start or, or what can I do? Because the, the amount of information that is out there is, you know, it's, it can be quite consuming. And so they ask me where to start. And I think for me, um, I'll give, I guess, two answers to that question. And the one would be start with yourself. And what I mean with that is, you know, take a good look at what is meaningful to you. Um, you know, it may be something in conservation, it may be aligned to education, whatever it may be, really dig deep. And then after that, take a step forward in terms of really learning as much as you can in that direction. For me, a book that I, because I'm an avid reader, I absolutely love reading. Um, it gets me to constantly open my mind, um, unlearn, relearn, rethink, you know, preconceived ideas I may have. Um, but one that I would just mention aligned to this is, is a book called Impact by Sir Ronald Cohen. Um, and it is really, you know, it, it tackles a lot of what we've spoken today around how capitalism can actually serve to build a better world. And so it speaks from a business angle, but it also includes impact philanthropy. And I think a lot of concepts that may resonate. So I would say that's one book recommendation. And apart from that, you know, platforms like LinkedIn, um, following things like the United Nations Global Compact Network, South Africa, or, or ones like that um, really, really can add focus um, to, you know, to giving you a source of information really to be able to, to build your knowledge and awareness. And I think sometimes the more the more we read, the more we realize uh, that we, you know, the less we know, but the less we know, the more open we can be to, to learning and to asking more questions. And ultimately, the more questions we ask, um, perhaps the better the solution we end up with at the end. So um, again, a bit of a mouthful, but um, yeah, that would, be, that would be it for me. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me today at Earthcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Let's chat next episode, where I will be asking more creatives and intellectual disruptors about making decisions at the margin. 
See you next time.